Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a call from an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. My name is Phil Chalmers, and I'm a serial killer profiler. How many murders are you responsible for? 36. 47 to 52. I found Sister's killer. I want to see him face to face. Listen to Where the Bodies Are Buried, a true crime podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buckle up for an unfiltered dose of comedy. Full disclosure, I've had a lot of sex, but honestly, having sex with me is like buying a Prius. It's much quieter than you'd expect. Epics presents Unprotected Sets. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California, this is Lips LA. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. Super excited about today's episode. We have on my bandmate and all-around superstar rock star, Courtney Love, of the band Hole, uh, and also bandmate, and uh, the amazing New York Times bestseller, Neil Strauss. He's actually a seven-times New York Times bestseller. He's a writer for Rolling Stone magazine, New York Times. He's got an amazing podcast that just came out called To Live and Die in L.A., as well as being an all-around great guy. These guys are actually great friends, so it will be interesting to see the dynamic they have and uh, what transpires today. There's a lot to go over. For those of you who don't know, Courtney sold about over 3 million records uh, in the United States alone and whole and became one of the most successful rock bands of all time fronted by a woman. Uh, VH1 ranked her on the list of 100 greatest women in music history in 2012, and the Phoenix New York Times declared her the number one greatest female rock star of all time which is amazing. And Neil is a 10 times New York Times bestseller, writer for Rolling Stones, New York Times, and uh, as I mentioned, just recently released To Live and Die in L.A. If you guys don't know, uh, the show is now available on iTunes, on Spotify. Please download it, subscribe, rate, and review. It's actually really helpful. Um, And uh, super excited about what's to come here. Courtney Love and Neil Strauss coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Lips L.A. with Scott Lips. Neil knows the story, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, and I thought he would be about, like Jason, what's the guy name from Aquaman? Like that kind of. Oh, Jason the Mo, Mo, Yeah, that guy, the, the real big guy. And I thought he'd be like a seven foot tall biker because he wrote this very muscular, you know, big way. And uh, the, the record company was Virgin. And they were like, this is back, there still was a few record companies. And they're like, you can only talk to him for an hour. Back when you needed a record label. Yeah. And, uh, and they said, you can only talk to him for an hour. And I gave him a note. And I was like, just come to my house on 30 Crosby. I had a loft. And he came over, and we spent like 
three, four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't leave the loft. We wow. didn't leave the loft. He went downstairs to meet his um, his friend Mystery from the seduction community. All right, that was the game at the time. That's the game. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, who was Mystery by the way? Was that just some supplies? How he's still doing the same thing? Okay, so he's one of the characters from that. He was like a big guy. That was a big guy. He was tall. Yeah, yeah. Francis loved him. By the way, (laughs) we need to get Mystery on the show at some point. But all right, so you guys met. You spent four days together, and there there, there was like when I was doing the Marilyn Manson book, you were around then, but we never connected. I think we were like late nights at his place in Laurel Canyon for sure. And then uh, then I just hung out with Neil a lot. Like I uh, that's like twelve, thirteen years ago, and I had done my a rehab back then and it didn't really take but like for three months it did and Neil really looked after after me and uh what else he's just one of my best friends super brilliant definitely and uh you know I feel like we've both been through different parts I have boyfriends he has girlfriends and we're gonna talk about relationships because Neil it's a big part about what you do but But it's really um, cool when you just when you've been with someone through their highs and lows and uh, they've been through you through that and when they're experiencing something like Oh, remember five years ago, you did this exact same thing. Uh, How have you evolved or changed? So so having those kinds of friendships. Was there a love of punk rock that sort of bonded you together too? Because that was actually, me and Courtney definitely bonded on the music and the fashion side of things. Not even punk rock, but rock. Rock, okay. Like I remember when Neil's like anything he says in Abbott Brothers, whatever it is, the Loughton Brothers, uh, the book uh, Sapiens, you know, whatever it is, it comes highly recommended from him. And if he says something is legit, it is, you know, right. it generally is. Definitely. So there's a uh, love of like just culture and people like sometimes I get worried that I just don't want to die before I've experienced all the great culture yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like there's so many movies to see, so many books to read, so much music that I still don't know to get turned on to. Yeah. Isn't it astounding? Courtney has such a crazy memory for things, right? If you huh. talk about fashion with her sometimes, she'll be like, that dress was made in 1942. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. she, especially with fashion, she can reference the, the details. Are yeah. incredible, and we, actually, we had a wicked, I think it was me, Courtney and like Billy Corgan Scrabble game. Oh, Chicago. Yeah? What did we do? We, I think we're playing Scrabble, and like I just couldn't lose because I would never hear the end of it if I lost. But it's really <laughs> good. She's very good at Scrabble too. Definitely. Yeah, we went. Yeah. With, uh, we took Billy actually on that trip. We took Billy to um, a, a, a style, you know, a, a, a pickup thing. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I mean, God. we did, and and let me tell you, son was he was not. He was not coming correct. He was like not doing a good. A pickup thing meaning one of the- A pickup artist. It was a okay. like, symposium of Neil talking, a coaching thing. So, and, so for like those of you that don't know, so Neil, for those of you who don't know, but I'm sure everyone already knows who's listening to this, has written many books. You're a seven times New York Times bestseller. Yeah. The Game being one of them. 10 times. Okay. So at the last podcast I heard was seven, but now it's 10, which is incredible. I've been busy since the last podcast. You've been very busy. Um, And you've actually got an amazing podcast that's out now called To Live and Die in LA. We're going to get into that. I sent it to Courtney today because I thought it was so amazing. I forgot to listen to you. You're such a bad friend. It's riveting. But Neil, tell us a story for a moment about it because it's pretty incredible. You actually helped sort of solve this murder. Um, Sure. Yeah. The the story is totally accidental. So my wife, uh, we've just had uh, a child and she's going through, kind of left her job, going through postpartum. I swear this gets around to the, to the podcast. And sure. she's kind of just bored and finds, this, finds out this person went missing in our neighborhood in Malibu. She starts looking into it and, uh, and she's starting to get activated and it's, she has something to do now and she wants me to help her. I just want to do it to help the relationship. And so next thing, <laughs> next thing I know, <laughs> next thing I know, we're meeting with like the family of the missing person, the private investigator, uh, and we start putting these clues together. And next thing I know, like I'm getting obsessed and she's upset at me because I'm so obsessed with this. Uh-huh. Solve, because they also think that you can spread the, the word also through your yeah. platforms. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things. One is I can spread the word. Two is a lot of people won't talk to the police or a detective, but they'll talk to a journalist. Right. There's more trust. They'll talk about maybe drugs, things that they wouldn't talk about with the police. Mm-hmm. Because a journalist is writing an expose? Or because like, what good does it do you to talk to the police? 
But if talking to journalists, maybe your name is in the newspaper. That's a cool thing. Uh, like you kind of trust that, that you know what a journalist angle is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and a det- also the police and detective come off very cold. And, uh, and you never not, hear about no, it again. Yeah, there's no rapport. They just like give us the information. Okay. Whereas a journalist, with me, I'll cr- it's about creating a relationship so they feel comfortable discussing stuff. And then sometimes, again, like you can open doors as a journalist and probably like the game, like Scott was saying earlier, help me with some people skills. So anyway, that led into another missing persons case that the podcast is about. Um, called to live and die. Right? You call, yeah, I'm literally on my like third or f- fourth one I'm, cause, because I'm learning the patterns. I'm learning what the police don't do and what a private citizen can do. So and, how does it come about that someone contacts you to work on this current case that you're working on now? Um, I think what, oh, it was the private investigator in the first one said, I've got this new case and maybe I need some help and you can help me in these ways. And so I dove in and eventually it got to this place where we found out who very likely did it and the police weren't arresting this person. And literally I'm parked outside this guy's apartment where he's staying, waiting for him to come out because he's evading everyone. He's not getting arrested. He's lawyered up and literally weeks are passing by. The family's in a panic and this person is just not answering questions. Um, do and you, you take it upon yourself to become yeah the boy like the police, that did right? his homework. Yeah, why I like Neil. <laughs> yeah. On the LAPD website, it says that you should actually seventy percent of the cases you know actually turn up, and if not, you can hire a private investigator. If you don't have the money for that, you should contact the Salvation Army to help you find your loved one. Right. What's that? What's that saying? Is the LAPD policy is we're really busy. Yeah. They'll probably come back. We'll come take a report. Yeah. But if it doesn't work out, you're on your own. Yeah. It's that, crazy. I that mean, happened to me with the FBI with my other shit, right? They were just like, oh, we have to focus on national security. Right. And they just left me. It's weird because here's what's, and I'm trying to form this idea because I just had it as we were speaking, but the system is designed to make you trust the system. Mm-hmm. But so, but the system also is imperfect and doesn't work. So mm-hmm. you need to trust the police or the FBI 100% to feel like Same. a secure citizen in the country. But at the same time, it's so inefficient. It's system, systemic problems, not Aww. people problems. That's and, uh, and that's kind of why civilization is kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to not trust the media. We're starting to not trust the government. Mm-hmm. We're starting to not trust pretty much anything. So holistically, <laughs> are you there to like say, okay, trust this level of the media? Trust, because it's also individual too, I guess. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just like, you're but, right. But the point is like, we look for these heroes and so what, and yeah. I really want to start a fun. We look, we're like, okay, the police will save me, the FBI will save me. And as in your experience, you're yeah. like, I just, I thought that was, that did nothing. It was just, nothing. I needed to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually crazy because you're listening to the podcast and you're saying, I'm waiting outside this guy's house. I shouldn't be here. I'm waiting for someone who could potentially be very dangerous. And you've taken right. it upon yourself to be almost like the LAPD, which is pretty yeah. incredible. So, yeah. so I think how like, far do you go? Like, do you go I, get the guy and stuff? It's, you, you got to listen, but it's, okay. it's Sorry. But I want to say it's like, it's insane. It gets, it's just insane and it's tragic and it's sad and it really. Are you around people that do murder? That, that, that I mean, I got, I got death, threat, death threats for doing this. Okay, yeah. but did you follow somebody who's capable of such a thing? And oh, sure, yes. And you, it's, so every pod episode is like another one, or is it the same? It, one? It's all one as it unfolds, but it keeps okay. unfolding it, crazy. It keeps unfolding. I crazy. keep sending Courtney each episode. So. Okay, but <laughs> honestly, like I remember you being so secretive about this when I was in Malibu doing my you know detoxy thing. That's right. And you'd tell me, you'd give me little dribs and drives, but then you'd catch yourself. As always with Neil, he's super secretive about his stuff. Right. And you always, and like, this is my favorite, one of my favorite things about you, Neil, um, Strapsy. Uh, he, <laughs> you call him on the, on the cell, and the voice was like, I'm on deadline. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's no, like- man, it's his trick. I'm sorry, I don't mean to bust your trick, but I'm on deadline. And uh, so everything's real secret, super secret, top secret, which is great. It's a great kind of, I think that's a great style trick uh, to keep the ladies wanting more. And the people want more, and also just to keep your sanity and your privacy. Yeah, and in this case, you know, 
it, the world's small or LA yeah. small, yeah. and you think you know who uh, who a murderer may be, uh-huh. and maybe in the first case, so that will probably be the in the other case I'm doing that's going to be a book. I literally. Uh, um, you know, you have to, uh, what's the best way to say it? You think you know, let's say in this current case, you know uh, who the person is, but they need to not know, you need to think that they're responsible because maybe you want to, first of all, maybe they're not, you don't know. But okay. what I don't want is word to get out and people uh, to talk about it. But and, word, I mean, isn't word out? You have a podcast. No, well, now it's out. Now it's out. But it, but I waited till <laughs> I waited till it was safe for it to be out. Uh, what, so, what makes it safer? I, I know, I'm, I'm talking like riddles uh, because I don't want to ruin okay. it. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, there's something you told me about Kevin Hart, but that was really amazing. You said to me, a huge thing you said to me, um, I said to you, what interests you about Kevin Hart? Because right. honestly, you know, it's not for me. I don't know. Like everyone you've done a book about, like I've, I've seen the, 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 the thing. But with Kevin Hart, he does these huge stadiums. He's massively successful. Right. I don't see the tragedy. I don't see the, the bad thing. You know what Neil said about why did do Kevin Hart? He said he is the, the he, he uh, what is it? It's, uh, he's, he doesn't do anything sabotaging to himself. He's uh, nothing self-sabotaging. Right. I, and that's what you said. Like, and I was like, Jesus, that's a really It's good funny. We're, we're doing a new book together that's related to that idea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But, what's also, but what you also have to do is sometimes you look at somebody and you, you're judging by the wrong metrics. Yeah. So like if you're looking for, for Kevin Hart for... For uh, for uh, tragedy, or, 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 or for cultural, for 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 you know, for the big ideas. A lot of comedy is you know deals with ideas mm-hmm. or with punchlines. He's he's one of the greatest storytellers in the world. Oh yeah, like just as storytelling. I it's haven't gotten into him so yeah. much with that. Just to go go watch and think. How do I tell a story? Uh-huh. And then go watch him on a talk show or watch him on stage tell a story. Okay, and you're like, oh my god, you just pulled me into the story. I'm visualizing it. You're kind of acting out. I'm seeing all the people. It's really entertaining and okay. funny. So think of him as a storyteller. Okay, that's go cool. watch his comedy. All right. And has and obviously you work with Marilyn Manson. You've done a lot of books, right? right. So how was that experience versus like a Kevin Hart for you? Um, the great thing about Kevin Hart is what Courtney just said is it's really rare for someone not to self sabotage, right? Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like people are so self sabotaging, even if it's in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, yeah. there's self-sabotage everywhere. Yeah, or it's, it's just hard. We don't have a, like, a good view of ourselves, and as we start to get success, then we think, why was that successful? Why wasn't it? We're scared I'm of criticism. Yeah, mm. and, and one note, and I think everyone here can kind of test for this, is that the more people think money or fame or success will heal, fix what's wrong with them, mm. right? If I'm just, get that, and what it does is it amplifies what's already wrong with you. Right, it's sure. It's just a huge And then you go chasing it again. Yeah, like remember, like Courtney was saying, I think this is this part. I think this is okay. I'm always, but uh, but there was your birthday. It was like the cover of the New York Post, and that yeah. was like the worst thing that humiliation that could ever happen. To it anyone. was my birthday. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you want to tell that? that? Which oh, I'll tell it. It was yeah. my fortieth birthday, and um, it's interesting because I was in New York just recently, and Jossie Smollett was on the cover, and right. she said liar, right? And right. I realized like that's a big deal being on the cover of the New York Post. So I was on the cover of the New York Post on a gurney, uh, strapped down, and they were taking me to Bellevue, and yes. it just said help. <laughs> Oh that's all I could was capable right. of saying help and Neil and his then girlfriend were, had actually flown that night to save me and I think they were like an hour late yeah. something to save me yeah. and uh, crazy crazy times baby but uh, yeah that but happens we, we all have a well, I mean we all have a struggle and but when you're when it, when it's I mean, it's just so much more magnified because every everything has bigger implication, you know, implications. Mm-hmm. Literally, just going out to dinner somewhere has implications. Yeah. You know, no so question. and and again, like today, not to like take take this turn, but I've been thinking about the Keith Flint. I didn't know mm-hmm. him personally. Did you? You know, but he committed suicide today. Oh, I didn't, from the I didn't know it was suicide. Yeah, um, it's terrible. And it's just thinking like how we're in this culture that demands authenticity, mm-hmm. demands authenticity. If you're not, you're a hypocrite. However, if you're really authentic about what's going on, we're going to crucify you. Yeah, yeah. quickly. And, and we're putting the people in this bind. 
right? And I'm not, I don't know what happened with him. I don't even want to speculate. Mm-hmm. But it just made me think about how are we as a culture not making it okay for people to ask for help, yeah, not I making agree. it okay to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. not making it okay to really, you know, seek help, especially with men. No, especially with men. And also, I don't want to get into specifics, but right. I watched something happen in the last month, two weeks, and uh, it was crazy. It happened half an hour, burned to the ground, like everything. And there, right. and no, yeah, I don't even want to get into it, but it's crazy. Was it, was it somebody's life or somebody's work? Career or, uh, and life, yeah, right. done. Just yeah. Post. Yeah, and um, you know, I think it's like people, you know, at the water cooler around tables, like you know, like huddling. And it's like a whole thing. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about it, but I, I feel you on that. Like they should, like people, especially men, right. should learn how to, you know, be. Right, I agree. On a positive note, you guys have both uh, had an incredible impact on culture. Courtney, I was just with you during Fashion Week where they dedicated an entire show, fashion show, Bathsheba, yeah. to sort of your whole... Bathsheba Hay, I think it's, but, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. So we didn't know, I don't go into it, we knew that the whole, you know, the models are going to be singing your songs uh-huh. and reading your lyrics. Had to feel pretty good. It was when, great. Yeah, pretty Especially amazing, Especially Melissa right? Oftamar. Did you know wow. about this? No, this it sounds amazing. It was so fucking cool. Melissa Oftamar, my own bass player, yes. present bass player in the band hole. Uh, it's just a matter of like... Why did I even break whole up? I don't even know. <laughs> They're speaking of self sabotage. We all we all like got along. We still get along. Right. You know. And I it, needed a gig. Yeah. yeah, Scott needed a gig to <laughs> right. come. But um, the reason Melissa uh, yesterday she was like, "Well, do you want to do a whole thing?" And it was so pleasant. She did. She honored me in Hudson. And I thought it was going to be cringy. And I loved it. Like, honor me anytime, man. I love it. <laughs> right. I'm there. Yeah. And then uh, we, did this, we did this thing for Batch of a Hay. It was, she makes these prairie dresses that are sort of like, she's orthodox. So it's like an orthodox thing, but Amish, but prairie. And then uh, Melissa did the production. And I just, on Ewan McGregor's daughter, Esther McGregor, they gave me this white dress. And I just wrote, like, the most scathing lyrics I had to Good Sister, Bad Sister on there. Right. And she walked out, apparently... Um, her mom and dad are, getting, are having troubles or whatever. And she wrote this thing. She's saying it on YouTube previous. And that's how people knew her. And she was coming down the stairs and she's saying uh, Miss World. And it was like really riveting. And wow. the and Melissa had these girls uh, memorize like like couplets of mine. And Christina Ricci opened the show. She was Wednesday Adams. Like she's always cool. Right. And uh, she was doing doll parts. And like they all come down the show on the deep cuts. Like deep cuts off America. Sweetheart. Off nobody's daughter. I was really moved. I didn't know that any of this was going to happen. No one called a lawyer. Right. No one had their people. It was cool. And it ended up in the Times, the New York Times, a big deal. It was pretty cool, I have to say. That's it was cool. incredible. It was, That's right. You were texting me about that. I didn't yeah. see kind of magical. Yeah. It was like really cool. And the metric of, yeah, everything was good. And, and the thing that was so great about it is it just happened. Right. Nobody planned. I like that part. Yeah. You know? well, we'll be back with Neil Strauss and Courtney Love. You're listening to Lips LA. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. So I, want, I do want to talk about for just a moment, Neil, the book, The okay. Truth. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I, I was going to say, how cool is that, though, that like, I mean, how old is like Miss World? How old, like what, 20, what? 25 years. 20, old, like a quarter right. century. Mm-hmm. Like a quarter century and it's still being like, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, is it, would you, would you say, maybe it's like classic rock now. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I will say that uh, there's some publications where I just, or whatever you want to call them, they're not being published in presses anymore. They're online, but... There's some places I feel like it's they're writing my own history and writing me out of it. I think it's because uh, people think I'm brash or possibly vulgar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that happens sometimes. I got a, a thing from Pitchfork in uh, my mailbox, and I was like, 
What? But then I looked at the by, byline. It's this woman who doesn't. Like and by the way, this is this is so interesting. It ties back to what we were saying earlier, which is here's like an amazing thing. Here's an amazing accomplishment. But just let me walk you through what just happened. What right? did just happen? So here's what just happened. Here's an amazing accomplishment. Right? Like twenty five, a quarter of a century, and your songs are like oh, everywhere, and people still know them. And who knows when you what write a song? Wait, wait, just hear, just hear. Okay. When, you, when you write a song, you don't even know if like people are even going to like it yeah. or if it's going to catch on. And now quarter of a century later, uh, like they're iconic, they're being done at these uh, fashion shows. Uh, and then, but the first thing you say is, now they're rewriting about a history and pitchfork did. But you oh, went right to the negative instead man. of embracing this amazing- <laughs> And Kevin Hart would never do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Manson like, would never do it. Right. He'd say like, what's Tommy next? Tommy Lee would never He'd do say, it. He'd say, how can I go even bigger? <laughs> yeah. That's no, what he would say. And in the back of my mind, I'm actually thinking that. Right, okay. But, but, but it's funny how you jump to like, but this one thing, and that's what people, Jack White, when I interviewed him said, People can pay me a hundred compliments. So I'll not pay attention to one negative thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. At the same time, I have memorized my greatest uh, compliments. You know that happened. So <laughs> right. I get that. Right. You know, I do get. I get them both. I get right. them both. Like when she walks in the room and there's a hundred people in it. There's only one. Or she's a cheetah walking into a museum cafe. I got yeah. it. I got the good but ones. But what's the difference between mine? Not to, not to give a what? coaching session. The difference between what I share was really about your art yeah. versus stuff about you. Like I what, like the what, sexy mojo stuff. Yeah. Would you rather have if you could choose one? The art. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to yeah. say the art too. Yeah. Now, have you ever written about Courtney? This, you guys have, one thing. Yeah. There was that Rolling Stone. There was a Rolling Stone that was supposed to be a cover, but I think yeah. everyone was like, "Fuck her. She's, <laughs> she's not traveling. She's not touring this one. Oh. Right. You know. No yeah, Gaga on the cover. Who did they put on the cover? Oh, you know. Right. Someone, yeah, I don't remember. Train, no, I don't Train. know. Train, <laughs> hey, JD, shout out to JD. No, shout out to Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Neil, do you have a favorite book that you've written? Because I want to talk about the truth. Yeah, the truth. The one you're about to talk about. Cool. The truth. Yeah, so let's talk about the truth for a minute. It's actually it, the description is it's an uncomfortable book about relationships. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, certain questions like what draws us to the partners we choose, which I think is a great question. So we need some love advice here. Mm-hmm. If, uh-huh. uh, if we had to answer that question, what would be the answer to that question? And this is a simple answer. And like, this is like, I'm giving like the real answer, not like the pat thing that you do when sure. you're like doing press. But like, it's, if you tell me what your relationship was like with your parent of the uh, sex you're attracted to, I'll tell you what your current relationships are like. Like literally, like if I had a dating website, I would get all information on someone's childhood history. And I could match them with a the person they're going to have unbelievable chemistry with. The reason being, and Courtney's looking at me like, what, this is shocking. But, but the reason being because you're born, the architecture of your brain, right, is built in your first years, your first experience of love, your first experience of attachment, it's all being built there. So you'll be attracted to what's familiar and also what you didn't get, some combination of that, right? And sadly for many people, what's familiar is sometimes abusive. It's right. what's, they, what's the worst thing for them. And they think, if I can get this, you know, critical, condescending, uh, narcissist, Show me some love, I'll heal that childhood wound. And instead they can just get rewounded. Can I give you I a really, deep with really that, extreme version of that? Yeah. I was with my friend Joe Mama last night, my friend Ariane Phillips, and uh, we were talking about something I got knocked out of my memoir, right? That I'm right. writing for HarperCollins. I like how you say the French. French memoir, voulez-vous. <laughs> <laughs> and when is that coming out, by the way? I, I don't know, man. I'm just working on it now. Okay. So I kicked this thing out. It's funny and it applies exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so it's this thing that I found disturbing up allegedly about me. There was this freak up in Portland that I got, quote, obsessed with, unhealthily, uh, unhealthy relationship. And anyway, my friend Joe Mama was there and he, his parents were gone. We were all in Concord, Concord, California. And uh, I called this guy a thousand times, right? Like that's what the phone bill reflected, right. something like a thousand times. And hung, he hung up on me every time. I was like, yeah, I don't want to reflect that, right? So this is like drugs, yucky. And Joe's like, no, that's not what happened. I'm like, well, what happened? And he told the table, it was dinner, he told the table, well, Courtney had a very unhealthy relationship and I would call and he would say one word and hang up. I call again, another word. And it was, it was a game. And it was like, oh my God, this is like 
bondage, discipline, you know, sex, the the S&M stuff. And apparently it was like a whole paragraph. (laughs) He was writing a novel and I called one word, hang up. And this gave me like a taste for very highfalutin games, right? Right. right. And like, oh my God, he's making me miserable like I like. It's like, that's it. I don't know where I got my taste for that shit, but it's high end. Right, we can can take some guesses. Right? Uh, right? Wow. (laughs) My my shit's nice. I was really impressed by myself. Yeah. that's how, and we're, but we're playing out these templates that were like created early on, right? Uh-huh. So like, look at you, you know, we don't need to go into like your, your, your <laughs> like relationship with that or anything, but right? <laughs> but it's not going to like lead to like healthy, healthy love attachment. Come on with your bad yeah. self. <laughs> Come on, finish your, finish your pitch here. It's so good. Um, well, another question that you asked. Uh, Scott, bail me out here. <laughs> well, otherwise, otherwise, if we go there, we're going there. No, baby. <laughs> I'll just tell us the story. It's so good. Go good, Neil. Uh, another question you asked in the book, Neil, can we keep passion and romance from fading over time? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So there's two, like there's, there's a psychological, like a chemi- like neurochemical take on that. But the one thing is like there, there are different like chemicals that keep love alive, you know, oxytocin, you know, dopamine, serotonin, all those kinds of things. So there are things like, you know, doing new things with your partner. They did a, literally did a study. And if you just, you know, they, they, if they took two couples that were in a longer relationship and just have them bounce on those child bouncy balls for like 10, 15 minutes, they would like start to get excited and feel connection again. It was, could be that simple. Playing, But it's like play, playing, play. doing new, new things, always revealing kind of new information about each other. Like, um, uh, you know, a little bit of distance, all those kinds of things help keep it going. But I think the other thing that also happens is going back to how um, we choose these people, um, people, people like either parentalize their partner or the partner turns into a parent, right? Mm-hmm. If you start nagging someone about what they're not doing, right, or trying to change them, you become a parent instead of a partner right. and no yeah. one wants to be, sleep with their parent. Nobody does. At least no. most people don't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Unless you have some weird fetish. <laughs> yeah. But it all, um, I mean, it all is about your parent. Like, but, but no one has to sleep with like, so the person who's like your mom or your dad. We totally yeah. turn our parent. We totally turn our partners into our parents. Yeah. So you think about what frustrated you about your parent. Do you have those same frustrations about your partner? And in like, a way, this but, really, but take a moment, like really, if yeah. you're listening, you're in a relationship. Yeah. What was your, what's your biggest frustration with your partner? Do you have the same one with your parent? That's true. Very true. In a way, this book is almost the antithesis to the game, right? Because yeah. it seems like this is almost the opposite, right? Everything the game wasn't, this is. Well, that's, so. it's funny. That, that's, the, <laughs> that's the easy thing to say, but here's the, the real truth is if the game was about courtship and seduction, let's say, or courtship, attraction, seduction, then the truth is about relationships. It's just a different phase of life. Right, true. It isn't like relationships are counter. It's, we, have the, we're, we, we accept these ideas in our culture that are so toxic to us, and one of the ideas is relationships are good and sex is bad. Right, but really, I would much rather have bad sex in a bad relationship. Because you went through a lot doing this book, right? You went to like sex edition. Right? Yeah. What, what else did you do? Because there was a lot of sort of uh, yeah, life went, experiences that yeah, went yeah. into this book. From what I, I definitely, I went through sex addiction rehab, which was really helpful. As far as like all the stuff I'm talking about parenting, that's what it was about. I thought it was it was really this these intimacy disorders we have. Most of the guys and there weren't like sex addicts that we're reading about in with these scandals. They cheated on their wife or their girlfriend sometimes just once, um, but they just felt guilty about it and shame and wanted to figure out why would I break my own ethic value system? But I did that. I went into like, what can I learn from the polyamory world or the swinger world or the, uh, so did you become polyamorous for a while there? Yeah, I, I did. I lived, I, it's hard. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> never, I've never understood that. I live so with, uh, I live, yeah. And there are different forms of it. Like, but I live in this case, I lived with like three partners and it was like, Oh, right. It was for, if you can't make one relationship or you can't make, right. uh, there's like, there's a mathematical formula for how many relationships four people is. I forget what it is, yeah. but something like seven. You know, because uh, each person, time? if you count each relationship, right, mm. their relationships with each other, mm-hmm. and there's a whole language to it. So if I have, if you have three lovers, those lovers, they're metamors. That's the word for their relationship metamor? with each other. I love new words. Yeah. Uh, metamors. This, I have this dude that uh, 
you know, that I've known for like, like I've known in the biblical sense for 10 years. I've known him more like 20 years. Right. But um, I was in Europe recently and he goes, uh, he says to me. In the biblical sense, you mean like going to church together? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's kind of boring. <laughs> but, you know, he's like just a lovely old guy. And he says to me um, recently, he was like, yeah, if uh, this woman, this movie star lady, he's like, um, yeah, if she bails on me. He didn't say bail. He, you know, he's well-educated. But if she bails, do you want to have dinner with me? I was like, whoa, right. what the fuck? We're really resorting to this now? Right. I'm going to get my batch of a, hey, you know, like a polygamist dress on. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Wow, what about me says that's okay? Right. You know, to, to even to say it, you know? Right. I felt kind of like a doormat. So do you, did, was it was the thing because you didn't want to be the second choice? I actually didn't really mind. I'm like, yeah, we're all in Idaho or Utah now. It's okay. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm aware that, you know, he does what he does when I'm not around. But right. fuck, really? Like the night of, you right. know, thing? Like I'm actually second that night. Right. Or, or and again, by the way, I agree with you. I think I think everyone wants to feel like that. Or it could be like how cool he was just straight up honest with you. He wasn't saying, yeah, wasn't saying I'm busy. He didn't, he didn't lie. He didn't say, well, I'm busy at work. I'll let you mm-hmm. know if it works out tonight. I think he thought right. that. How cool that I'm honest with work. Right, right. Whatever. Do you, uh, do you ever get love advice? Meal? All yeah. the time. Yeah. I also have the um, and vice the, versa. the um the game workbook. Oh, you do. Which I think applies to women on some levels. Yeah. You know, it's not gonna like Russell Brand, our friend Russell Brand, that Neil pretty much discovered when it comes to America. I have to give you credit for that for sure. Um, he he settled down. He has a beautiful wife and two children now. And I went to visit him in Henley um, on Thames where he lives, and he's amazing. Why did I bring him up? Because oh, we were talking down. about we were talking about love advice. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, but why? Why? I can't remember anything. <laughs> I don't know. About all the game, the rules. Yeah. Well, but I forget. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it, it turns out that you guys have known each other for many, many years, and we were seeing where pop culture is going. Did you guys watch the Grammys, the Oscars? you have thoughts on A Star is Born? I watched, Rhapsody? I I watched the Oscars, and let me tell you something. I laughed. I cried. I threw things at the TV. The show was great by me. Okay, great. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I just found I just watched the highlights. They're so boring. And they're so long. There's so many commercials. Yeah. Everyone says that. I had a good time. Right. <laughs> right. You know, right. Queen is like... Uh, what happens when an LLC gets to run rampant? And, you know, I, I don't want to get into it. It was so, so I fun. Could totally, I could totally like talk about all those movies all day. But Me did too. you like the movie? It doesn't even matter what I like. Oh. I like this show. I like the show. Okay. <laughs> Here's your answer. It's so political, right? The non-answer it is the answer. So right, right, right. Man, I like the show. But I was the, glad people calmed down right. three days later, but right. like the show? <laughs> wow. Also, can I just say something about this kid? Yeah. The best song thing was not was it just it was just Gaga and, and Mark Ronson. It was this guy Anthony Rosamundo who used to have a band called um, the Dirty Pretty Things with uh, Doherty, P. Doherty. No, it was Carborot, Carborot from the oh, Libertines. Right. Right. And uh, not even a year ago, he was in Case American Kid, and he was in Camden, and he was like not happy. Oh, that's right. And I heard he the story. Moved, he moved here, and he like and nine months later he gets an Oscar for her best song fuck Crazy. that Wild. right so cool with Mark Ronson right? with Mark yeah and, pretty amazing yeah. which kind of means like get outside of your comfort zone for sure right like people are so scared to leave their comfort zone for sure and, and clean up yeah. and like do things yeah <laughs> and clean up get outside your comfort I zone and clean up I did too yeah, yeah. 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 And look nobody at your wants to put up with uh, and what and look at your childhood love yeah. situation if you want to figure out your relationship. That's sure. the message for today. Uh, so how was Neil's advice? Was it good love advice that he gave always, to you? Always. always. But it's hard, it's hard to get someone to listen to it. <laughs> but I will say. But the, everyone knows that. Like, if, I, if I could like, ask one question that I would love the solution, maybe they can, it, whatever, tweet me, tweet Scott, tweet yeah, Courtney. Sure. The question is this. You have a friend who's in a toxic relationship mm-hmm. where they're even being emotionally abused. And they, you can, how, how, what do you do you, 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 all, you, all the friends see it. Everybody sees it. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's like a drug addiction. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. right? It's like, 
it's like they're going to have to learn the lesson, but it might take them five years. Of Seven years hell. with the barber thing for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. It's like, and then how can, you know, it's like, how do you, how can you help shorten that time for someone you care about mm-hmm. if Definitely. you can? Yeah, right. it's funny. I, when I was researching you guys, I found out a lot of stuff I didn't know. Court, mm-hmm. I found out that you were in Andy Warhol's 50 Minutes of Fame movie, which I didn't know, which was incredible. I know. Um, Isn't that cool? And that you lived in Alaska for three months. I did. So tell me about that, because I thought those are two pretty cool things that I feel like wow. I know you so well, but I didn't know those things about Well, you, so. the Warhol thing, I, I definitely tried to make that happen for years, and it didn't happen. And uh, I, uh, I was sitting across from this guy that runs the Warhol estate at the Creative Times um, thing not that long ago and it was Stipe, Michael Stipe from R.E.M. And I said to the guy, like, I have a fantasy of what happened. Could you tell me what happened? Because he was in the room with Andy and I, and it, it was at the factory. It was like, mm, I want to say two months before Andy died. And apparently I walked in the room and I looked at Andy and I said, because he had chosen me to be in an interview and also to do his 15 minutes thing. And I'm like, could I have a portrait? And Andy looked at this guy and, and I didn't, I wasn't making it up in my head. And he goes, yeah, she needs a nose job. <laughs> put this stigma on me that it, like I'm not even over and uh, I'm finally over it now but it was like you know something about like not enough or lack or something like wow. yeah crazy from Warhol and that put a lot of Paul or I mean or whatever but the guy was he wasn't even marveling at that he was marveling and this is what I like about my younger self at my gumption like I just went in there to give a shit and I did and when he said something disparity he said you were very charming right is what he said about my younger self he said and, and we both find you very cute so that was like, it was me in an interview, but then he extended it to be the TV show and I was cute. So there's that. That's pretty amazing. And then I still, I did these celebrity things like 7A and Jackie 60 and super like super gay, like all the stuff that was there to do in New York. I didn't make it. I couldn't make it. There's no way to make it. I watched the Studio 54 doc last night on Netflix. Pretty great. N- not really. It scared oh. me. Oh. It scared the oh. shit out of me because honestly, you guys, you made it in New York. You made it in New York and in your industries and stuff. But the only way to make it in New York is that Madonna track, in my opinion. Like then it's about pop music and disco. Mm. And the music for me, it's terrible. I can't. <laughs> so this Nile Rogers in there doing his thing and yeah. good for everyone. Yeah. I can't stand that music. It's just a preference thing. You got to go West because unless you have a great friend whose parents are living in Queens and you've got a garage, I don't think it's going to happen. There's not like rock there. And so I feel like, you know, you have to go West. That's for me. So I went to Alaska. Um, these girls were always saying you can make more of money course, there. You can't make it in New York. Yeah. Make it in Anchorage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to make it. Oh, shut up. I was like, you know, I kept quiet. I kept to myself. I only wore clothes that I could get at value village. And it was dark a lot of the time. And there was one place for culture and that was the skate store. Wow. So I like went there and that landed me in Seattle for a little minute. And then, uh, and what, what made you choose Anchorage specifically? The girls told me that the guys from the pipeline would, oh, got would it. Good tip money, a ton. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to do privates. I just did strip and, right. and played this weird game called B- bubble bop. And it was like for girls, you'd win diamond rings. It was really cool. What was, how, what would you bop? I would, you, you just play this bubble bop game. Oh, just a game. Yeah, I thought it was like something like, no, 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 I, don't, I don't know what I was imagining. Just honey, forget that. Take magic. that image out of my head. It's, okay. uh, <laughs> it's raining because I'm sad. No, it taught me like a lot of magical thinking. And I already had magical thinking, but I needed to get thin to make right. the magical thinking happen. So um, then I met, met Eric Erlinson. and I put an ad in the recycler in LA and lived right near here, near Hollywood Boulevard. And, um, and Eric became like the treasurer for me. Yeah. First day I met Eric, he had a, he had a, you'll like this. He had a, um, he worked at Capitol. He was an accountant there, but he could play good guitar. And he had an $80,000 check for Michael Beinhorn from a Chili Peppers um, 
album. What are you guys listening to these days? I'm not telling you. It's forbidden music at this point. <laughs> well, Neil, are you listening to anything that you like and are inspired by these um, days? I'm trying, I'm trying to. Th- oh, yeah, I'm real. I'm really into like the erased tapes stuff in the in the UK, which is What's this, that? What is is this that? amazing label of like modern modern classical stuff. So I like to. Uh, it's it's Nils Fromm, uh, Oliver Arnoldson, his name. I'm uh, I'm probably saying wrong. Uh, Peter Broderick, uh, Penguin Cafe Orchestra. I'm pretty sure they're all. I have no idea. But it's all classical about. music. It's a, but it's all like it's all like it's more like minimalist. Okay. Uh, it's like it's it's like minimalist composition. Uh, but it's not really for a classical crowd. It's hard to explain it, but it's like it's in- instrumental. It's just freaking. Is it like Sigarossi? You yeah, like, I, like, I would say like take take Sigarossi and go a little more Philip Glassy. Okay. You like like the, the I'll top. I'll see Sigarossi and raise you a Philip Glass and you got to race. Okay, I feel like we went to Sigarossi together. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. At the Wiltern. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I feel like you like the Tom York solo stuff. Is that's that kind of like exactly. Well, you know, I was just <laughs> listening <laughs> yesterday to the Radiohead album, The Moon Is Whatever. It's from two years ago. Yeah, the moon. yeah that yeah. one. I remember that the moon one. Is, on, it's just two years old. It's freaking amazing. It's yeah. one of their best albums. I was in the Hamptons and heard that record. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like the greatest. It's one of their best. Albums I didn't just anything. I, yeah. I was in a bad spot. Oh, oh my god! In the Hamptons. Oh my god! In the Hamptons, and I, I, I kind of escaped that, right. that record. Mm-hmm. Oh, but uh, but for those who are listening and you want to just get a song, go find Nils From, and the song is says S A Y S. Okay. Start there. Cool. Mm-hmm. I found then, I found an, a band I really like. It's from the Knots, uh-huh. uh, and they're called the Hold Steady. Oh, yeah. oh, the whole set is great. I didn't have no idea. Yeah. My my guitar player sometimes Tad. Yeah, I had no idea that this band. I knew the name of the band. I had no idea they were like this shambolic kind of replacement yeah. piano, almost going to counting curves, but not so much more sophisticated than that. And my friend Josh, who's a film director, he makes me these compilations. There's this song called First Night. It's it gives my heartbreak, heartbreak, yeah. and they. There's a coda on the way out, which I love a vamp on the way out, like nothing turns me on more. And he sings, uh, uh, when they when they kiss, they spit white noise. And and there's like a backing singer. It's, uh, it's amazing. We'll be back in two minutes okay. with Neil Strauss. You got some Neil's from? And also Neil's from. Neil's from be too obscure for this channel. But. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. All right, guys, we're back. We're with Courtney Love and Neil Strauss. So I think you guys both have a connection in Malibu. Neil, you've been living there for many years, yeah. right? Community. Yeah. I think community. it's about community Bam. for both of us. That's it. And it's Buddhism, community. is that another connection that you guys have? Well, Neil's not no, there's probably better yeah, places to go for okay. But Neil turned me on, this guy, a friend of ours, um, he turned me on to going into an ice bath, which yes. is amazing. Yeah. So good. I love the ice bath thing. It's really good. And, and what we're talking, there's this thing in where like every everyone's doing it now, so it must be cool. But everyone has now a sauna in their house. Everybody, mm-hmm. I don't freaking know. But, oh my but god, ten people. Like I'm me. wearing yeah. a thing from Goop. Really, I'm not joking. Right. And we're talk was, about that. Well, well, I'm not I am. That I literally said everybody has. No, this. That's ridiculous. You know what? I will say something about Gwyneth that was amazing. Uh, this woman came up to us and said, "Isn't she's kind of tipsy? Very, very like notable person uh, in philanthropy in L.A." She came up to our table. Um, years and years ago at the, what's it called? The Polo Lounge. She goes, she's drunk. She goes to me and Gwyneth Paltrow. She said, isn't it great how everyone knows everybody? And Gwyneth went just under her breath. She goes, yeah, if you're rich and in Beverly Hills. Right, I right. loved her. I was like, yay! And, and, by, and by the way, if, you, if you're visiting LA or no one visiting LA, just sit in the lobby of the Beverly Hills Hotel uh-huh. That's all you need for like to do. 15 minutes. It's the greatest, the most bizarre cultural oh experience God. ever. You're like, who are some of these people? I remember the Man. first time I ever like got in there, like right. was able to go there and I saw these women with stretched back faces and they were all like kind of with each other. And I was like, wow, this is so tribal. And I remember like research had just come out with that body art thing and San Francisco. I was like, yeah, this is some tribal. The last time there was like this punk rock kid with this like dirty sweatshirt and like the skateboard. And then he had these like Gucci slippers. 
I'm but like, it, okay, whose son? He's not a real punk rock. Right, no, no. So the place, it's just, it's, it's the most amazing. It's that person's probably killed someone. And yeah. that person, like, it's just amazing people watching. For sure. Yeah. So 2019, there's a lot in store for both of you guys. Um, I think I know Courtney. You this sounds like the, the last question to wrap it up. It's actually not, but okay. it's actually not. <laughs> okay. But I do want to talk what about what's going on this year. Oh my God, Jamie, is it? I got to go to therapy at some point. It's 3.08. Well, you uh, just got your therapy. Not- <laughs> <laughs> what time is my therapist? Oh, okay, I'm fine. Okay, so we have a little okay. time, but I, I do want to talk about this year. Um, so, Court, you have, you have the book. Yeah, We actually, um, you know, there's a bunch of projects you have in the works. Kansas City Choir Boys? You're going to no, do more of that? that. No, uh, Okay. Um, what I like, uh, the t- there's one thing I'm really passionate about recently, which my friend Moj, who started BeautyCon, like there's Comic-Con, BeautyCon. She's never worn makeup in her life. But what, what, who cares? Neither do dudes that run, you know, you know, Estee Lauder, right? right? And she did a speech, a talk, they call it now a talk, at uh, Makers uh, Women, right? And I said, and you're such a feminist. I love you. This is why I love you. You watched it. And I I have to beg a lot of people to watch it. But I did send it to 20 women. It's about female literacy in, um, in finance. And or illiteracy more more often. I sent it to twenty women, including a woman who had edited a huge Condé Nast title, including one woman who was number one now because someone passed away at a massive fashion label. Like real women with cons- like big concerns financially, and they all got back to me. You know, I sent it on a DM. No, one one or two didn't, but most all of them had got back to me, and they were like, "So, do you have a tax attorney? Do you have a this that the other thing? I actually don't. Do you have a private bank?" all this shit on feminine, you know. So I was like, you know what? I know what my TED talk, because they've asked me, you know, to do a TED talk like for three straight years. And I don't, you know, I'm like, well, should it be a reputation? I haven't like fixed that yet. So <laughs> completely. Uh, but yeah, I feel like like just, you know, Robin Wright has this um, great non- nonprofit for her pajama thing for these this company in the Congo. I, it's like, there's so many female oriented. So we kind of like about financial literacy, financial literacy at like the grassroots level level where it's just like having a checking account. And I say, I read that like 25% of Americans don't have bank accounts right. at all, you know? And so, you know, they settle for prepaids that are like their entire paycheck. And it's just, you know, I'm trying to get literate. I am not Duff McKagan yet. Right. Well, let's talk about feminism in Hollywood now these days. Course, no, so. we'll talk about a- female literacy. <laughs> okay. and, but also, but also, it's funny on the podcast, I got offers for like these, you know, debt companies where, yeah. you know, know this and I just refuse to do it. I just no, don't want to do it. I'm with you, man. Of, of more debt. Do you know what it is? It's called the invisibles. I mm. read about this recently. Uh, we have a mutual friend that I, I Googled and I couldn't find anything because oh. he's super invisible. He's like an American oligarch. But what came up, the one interview he did was the invisibles. And the invisibles are people with 525 credit score or below. They're mostly women and and no one wants their debt because they're, they're never going to get out from under. Whoa. And they're called the invisibles. That's like a real thing. And that's something, like you standing for that is very congruent to what you've done in your whole career. It's not for me. It's for yeah, other that's people. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was, being a voice. It, it, being a voice for people yeah. that don't have one. It's sort yeah. of like, I really felt inspired by that. And then uh, I have this book that I've been working on with this with another person. And uh, I think he's really protective and he's got a way of like, really getting me to remember these stories and stuff. Like the one I told right. about the guy in Portland. Yeah. Whoa. There's a, you know, it's interesting, like ah, this is a whole, but you know, in this culture now, people can be really repelled by these ideas that are really powerful and important. The idea of privilege, right? People are like, what are you trying to take up? People think, what are you trying to take away from me with this word? I worked hard for what I got. Uh-huh. But I recently had an experience where I was in prison on the, as a mentor. Um, and I was this like, company, you're in prison? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This company called, I should just pause it. 
Uh, no, wow. Commercial cool. break after this, where and they had uh, this company called Defy that has mentorship and has this kind of entrepreneurial program. It's called program Defy, D E F Y. D E F Y. Wow. Entrepreneurial program for prisoners. But they said, here's this line prisoners on one side, mentors on the other. They started asking questions. You they can said, do this in a prison? Uh, yeah. Like a prison. Like, a, okay, cool. That's yeah. so great. Do you get nervous when you go to the prison? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, but they, they uh, I get nervous out of the prison. <laughs> I get nervous. Uh, I'm walking, waiting the alley for you here. <laughs> um, so so there, they, there was this line. They said, step back from the line if you had more than six books in your house growing up. All the mentors step back. All the prisoners stay there. Stay there. <gasps> step back from the line if you had birthday parties growing up. All the mentors step back. The prisoners stay there. Oh, step wow. back from the line if you're arrested for the age of 12. All the mentors, you know, as you start to realize, oh, shoot, man. Yeah, if I was raised in that environment mm-hmm. with that set of parents, mm-hmm. with that lack of whatever, I would have succeeded. Courtney or I or any or you, Scott, mm-hmm. anyone would have succeeded, but succeeded in that you know gang level, toxic level. That would have been mm-hmm. we would have used our same brains in that community, and we all we would have been in jail sure. doing the radio show there. For sure. Yeah. That's really live from San Quentin. And so speaking of for the invisibles, like really like starting mm-hmm. to like have people, instead of people getting defensive around, oh, privilege, what are you trying to take away from me? Recognizing the system is not had. actually fair. It's oh. not. No, 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 it's yeah. not. I had to go to all those court appearances back in, um, it was 06, 07 or right. something like that before TMZ. Yeah. And thank God, thank God before TMZ, because it was horrible, as you remember, because right. I was living in that house with you. But um, I went to a felony court with this hanging judge, right? right? He'd put a, a, he put a, you know, he made me get arrested. It was the only time that had ever happened. And, you know, I went, I was, my knees were knocking and I was really scared of this guy. And rightfully so. He's like a bad guy. But in his court, I mean, everything was enhanced and big. But in his, uh, it's called a part. I guess it's called a part instead of a room. And it was huge. And it was all these people holding babies. It was like, Steerage, right. you know, it's like, and, and I realized then in there what people talked about when they talked about oppressed, right? You know, it sure as hell wasn't me. You know what I, mean? I, I got like, a question. Yeah, I got a question. I never asked you. I'm going to ask you with this sure. question. What if you went through the exact same life experience as Courtney, but you were a male, yeah, instead of a female, yeah. and if Courtney was a male instead of a female, what do you think her reputation would be? That's a good Michael question. Michael Hutchins. I, yeah. I don't know. Not, yeah. You know. Good question. I need to think about that for a moment. Um, but even thinking well, about it makes you realize yeah, yeah. how the system. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think I always think your life would be make such a great movie uh, to be like sort of like the an amazing biopic. So option the book. Yeah, mm. from Harper Collins, mm. K Street. <laughs> um, an incredible life you lived, and uh, I think that TED Talk sounds great. By the way, so, um, the yeah. one on female literacy yes. and finance. Yes. I agree. That's oh, that's where I think I just it just blew me away. The other thing too, um, I went to Elton John's. Uh, Final LA show, right? It was at, at the forum. It was amazing. I love, you know, when I was a kid, I went to marry Elton John. So that, yeah. you know, anyway, I was backstage and this girl who used to be in a really stellar band, she, she revived it late recently. She came up to me and she's like, yeah, why are you hanging around with fashion? Like it was a put down. And I was like, there, it's a multi, multi-billion dollar business that right. caters mostly to women that I've always been great at, that I've always designed with, that I'm going you, to design with now. You thrive and, it, you thrive and I fashion. thrive Definitely. and it's passionate and nobody picks on me all that much. Right. <laughs> so, and I can make a, a pro- profitable situation for Definitely. other people and myself. So I kind of told her that. And she was like, oh, it's, it's so, you know, I think she meant to say it was like a sellout thing. But, you know, to me, and I deal with this in the 90s, but I did deal with it successfully. And I learned selling out means there are no more tickets to see me at Madison Square Garden. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Neil, uh, coming up, so we have the podcast, and obviously you wrote a, a movie that's coming out soon. So oh, I didn't write. There's a movie I did. Uh, this book, The Dirt with Molly Crew. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and can I just say it was yeah. my favorite book I ever read. Uh, I just have to say it's it. a great book. It's the favorite yeah. book I ever read. It's, it's, it's so so. I somehow they've turned this like car crash of a of a four lives into a movie. It comes out of Netflix in like three weeks, March twenty second. Yeah. 
uh, and it's pretty, like did a really good Have job. Have you seen it? Capture. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And, cool. and speaking of hot white rappers, uh, Machine Gun Kelly he plays Tommy Lee. so good as Tommy I've Lee. I've heard that, I've heard that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. The last scene when he's kind of walking, whatever's happening in the last scene, like you see him from behind, you're like, that's Tommy Lee. It's He does, he is so great. good. Now, did the movie stay true it. to form for the book that you wrote? Oh, to- yeah, totally. Okay. Like, so it's like dangerously Vince, true to form. It's right. Vince, Nikki, Tommy, like that? Tommy, Mick, and they, and they really recreated some of the, like, that led to some great, like some of the best scenes like of rock and roll decadence and, I've ever seen. Yeah. And is, is Tommy Lee on a thing where he's just like, I didn't do that? No. He's not in real life. Uh, I haven't heard him deny anything. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they okay. show, they show, like, Every they day. show stuff. I mean, I met cool. Courtney, I don't know, I think it was eight or nine years ago, and one of the things that I loved about her is she knows all the, ref, you know, all the bands I was in. She knew every member of every band. It's crazy, her, her references and your memory of that time period is pretty astounding. And I always talk about that book in the sense that you couldn't believe the sheer debauchery that was going on back then. And like, right. it was sort of like, that was just what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I lived like, through it. Like Tom Lee's like, manager would, they, they, they'd knock him out and handcuff him to the bed. And that's how we go to sleep on tour. It's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? yeah and totally. the stories are yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, I didn't like it so much um, around then. And you know why? It was yeah. just like, tie me down and like, you know, all that shit. I hated those yeah. guys. Like, it, I did, I want, if I could have gone up to Seattle and not been a junkie, I would have, but there was no way I could have made it in Seattle. Right. But we you talked know? about like the Nymphs and some of those bands yeah, in that time for period. Sure. There, there and Black Cherry, your band, and <laughs> the fucking Mau Mau's and the Joneses and James. Yeah. James right. was like a, you know, but I mean, you know, I, I either had to figure out how to be around dope without doing dope or, you know, not make it. So right. I figured it out for the time being then, but um, there, I had no choice. It's like LA or not, you know, don't do it. And, you know, I'm really happy that this finally got made yeah. and I think it's going to be super successful and that there'll be a run on all your books, which would be great because you've written all good books. Awesome. Like. And when you look back on the game and some of those books, I mean, how, so now you've, you have this new book that you just read. So how has it changed? How has culture changed? You think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed that? by anything I ever wrote <laughs> prior to the truth. Really? And hopefully one day I'll be embarrassed by the truth too. Like yeah. you, you change. If you're not embarrassed by what you did five years ago, don't think you you're doing better now, yeah. then you've got to question but your choices you in life. But don't you think younger Neil uh-huh. you know, It's just like me. And like, right. I all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm doubting whether that thing about my nose gets set all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, right. it's not the only focal point that I ever dealt in. Right. You know, I was sexy. I was cute. I like that younger self. And, you know, why is everything in my mind? Like yeah, if would younger you come up to you in the fashion thing and be like, why are you doing that? No, because younger right. me thought I was Kate fucking awesome. Right, right, right. That's awesome. Like, yeah. you know, I had a lot of uh, right. pride and, and I I couldn't have gone out to like some crazy place like Manhattan and like, you know, done right. what I did. Yeah. Do you guys ever talk about the writing process I and mean, writing songs? You know, you've written books before. Obviously, you've written I have books, written so. a couple songs at Neil's houses. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever talk and about how your book writing too, you've shown me all the different incarnations and chapters along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, the... There was one time Neil was, uh, he, it was right when I got out of this rehab thing and it was a long time ago and um, you were doing the, the, what's her name? Jenna, oh, Jenna Jameson. Yeah. And I, I was like in <laughs> Vegas. Right. That I was right. just out of rehab and Tommy Lee was in the cabana next to us, like <laughs> lots of noises and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was a crazy one. That's funny. I forgot that. All right. Yeah. yeah. And it was having a book signing. It was and like, mystery was there. It was like all my books in one place. Mystery, right? Yes. Yeah, mystery, Tommy, Whoa. Jenna. Who is this mystery yeah. guy? Do we get to meet he's, him at some point? Or he's, a, he's a seduction community guy. He still exists and he still practices. Yeah, he like yeah, a VH1 show, show for a couple of yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. With his crazy hat. He still wears that get up and the whole thing. He's peacocking. Yeah. He listened, he peacocked and he listened to Pearl Jam a lot. Yeah. 
all the time. All right, yeah. well, for our next guest on the show, we're definitely going to have mystery on the show. Don't call um, me daughter. <laughs> so uh, it seems like it's going to be a great year for both of you guys. Definitely listen to the podcast, The Live and Die in LA, an amazing podcast, riveting. I'll keep sending you the episodes. It's all great. Right. And uh, Court, besides um, building your the empire that will be the next uh, <laughs> goop and whatever. I'm changing my profession. Like for real, on. I am yeah. for a little while. For Meaning, a little while until meaning, they're not mean to me anymore. <laughs> so fashion is a big. Uh, no, I'm really doing that. Definitely, That's like something I'm doing. I'm applying for that job. That makes me happy. And the TED oh. talk, you can look out for the TED and talk. And the TED talk, yeah. And the TED talk, both things. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on, guys. I really, really appreciate it. You're still doing really music, though, right? You're still going to do well, yeah, music. There's for, like speaking a, for people listening. Yeah, yes, let's, let's I am, but that. I'm not putting out an album for a little while. Like, right. I'm just telling the universe what I'm doing. Well, we don't need right. to do albums anymore. You can just do a song. Yeah. And I, I, I want to do, I don't want to say it too much, but I want to do an album. Okay. Well, I really appreciate both of you guys coming on. It's been a pleasure. Courtney, Neil, definitely checking everything going on this year. And thanks again, guys. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Lips. All right. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Tree. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas, two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. There are two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. In Lauren Lake's courtroom, there is no nonsense. Don't talk when I'm talking. Just results. Mr. Jackson, you are the father. <laughs> Live it, own it, be it. You see it? Listen to Lauren Lake's Paternity Court on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts 